Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. Here we are in our Love is the Resistance series. And I know y'all have been so spoiled in learning and sharing what you're gleaning. And it really has been such a blessing to see the impact. And the honest truth is, Ashley's got so much gas in the tank for this. Y'all, she put down 50,000 words. That's how much gas she had in that tank for this. So you're gonna wanna really, first of all, listen to these past episodes of this series. If you have not done so already, pre-order Miss Abercrombie's book and also uh, get ready because she has so many goodies that come along with that, like the audiobook for free, which that, hello, that would be enough for me y'all to pre-order a book as well as she has a video series. She's going to fill you in on. There's just so much goodness, rich goodness in this series. And I know y'all listening. We got the highest downloads we've ever had in the history of the why though. So I know y'all leaning in. I know y'all listening. Thousands of you listening, leaning in, learning. And I know this is going to change your life. And it's, this is no different as we dive in today. But before we do that, Ashley, I just have to tell you, uh, I love flying. I love going places. Okay. I don't actually love going to the airport. It's like a bus stop, but (laughs) <laughs> I like getting to other places quickly, but that didn't happen to me this last weekend. We were on our way uh, to Colorado for a little family, just a, just a weekend getaway. Nothing, nothing big. I don't like taking my kids more than three nights away, to be honest. Three nights in the, away from their own beds is probably all they can handle. <laughs> really, the answer is I can't handle them after they haven't had three nights in their own bed. <laughs> but due to some thunderstorms, we got to land in Casper, Wyoming, and sit in an airport the size of a basketball court for several hours before we flew. And it was it was like a yes day. I was like, oh, vending machine, what do you want for dinner? Welch's fruit snacks or Oreos? Because those are your options. <laughs> that is the way to travel. Like, I always tell people who have kids, if they're traveling for the first time, they're like, what do you need? And I'm like, snacks. You literally yes, need oh my gosh. more snacks than you ever imagine needing because it is ever. the only way to survive. A only. Trip. Like, it's it's the only literally way. the only. Yeah, absolutely. And take them. That's when they get to eat all the crap they would normally never yes. eat. It's great. <laughs> oh, I was like, be cool, mom, Tiffany. Be the cool mom. Let yeah, have it. Absolutely. And they were looking at me with like, like they'd gotten hit by a truck. They were like, all right, is this a joke? You're really going <laughs> right. to eat that? Like, what's the catch? Is mom trying to trick us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as they saw me lick the Cheeto dust off my own fingers, they were realizing, yes, this is what's happening. Uh-huh. I will enjoy this beef stick. Yes. That's probably going to give me heart disease, you know? And I was like, go for it. Go <laughs> or for at it. least we'll be in my colon until I'm 90. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, it's so funny. Like if I'm, I'm always prepared with my Kindle. I've always got like six books. So I'm like, oh, two hour wait? No problem. I will just go read this or work on my phone or do something. Except but with kids, you you're like, kids. <laughs> right. You're like two hours turned into like, it feels like 48 hours <laughs> trying yeah. to keep them occupied. And you read oh. precisely nothing. <laughs> You know what? I was, okay, you're going to laugh at me. I know you are because you're like, get over yourself. I was like, let's not let them have electronics on this on this trip. Let's just oh bring coloring gosh. books. Okay, wait for it. Just wait. Just wait. Lord. I'm like, let's, okay, okay, just wait. Every mom out there is like rolling her eyes at you, by the way. I know. Oh, no. They'll they'll realize I, I learned the error of my ways. I'm mm-hmm. like, let's bring coloring books. And, and Jericho always has a ruler and a protractor and three pencils and a pad of paper wherever he goes. Love Sunday it. school. 
the grocery store. You name yeah. it, you guys. He's got that with him because he Love loves it. to draw. And so I'm like, nope, we got all their stuff. It's going to be great. They're going to be so occupied. They're going to be, you know, I didn't have no electronics when I was on the plane as a kid. I was just fine. And then <laughs> we're in the we're in the waiting area. I'm like, Derek, hook to this Wi-Fi and download as many shows as you can. <laughs> so we, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. we download as much as we could. And then, of course, they didn't open their bags once. And then we, they just watched. And I was like, oh, this is how you get peace and quiet. Yeah. And and then, of course, we end up in Wyoming. And in, in a, a two-hour and 15-minute flight turns into, like, an eight to nine hour Ugh, flight and trip. It's just hell, honestly. Yeah, it really was. It was so awful, you guys. And um, and okay, can I just say I, I paid a little more to fly in the middle of the day, so it wouldn't I wouldn't mess with, you know, getting up or going to bed. Right. And I'm like, man, spent the extra hundred dollars per ticket to anyway, whatever. It's not a big deal. Yes. But uh, I I was like, no, whatever you can watch. You want Kung Fu Panda on Amazon Prime? You got it. You want you want Animal Mechanicals or that Hot Wheels show? Got it. Whatever you want. I don't even care. And then I did end up reading. Um, oh girl, what did I read? Oh, you know I'm into those uh, Bollywood rom coms. So I read a Bollywood. Rom-com. And then I started reading Crying in H Mart. How am I so late to the party? Everyone's I've never probably even shaking heard their of head. That. Oh, Ashley, this is something you would be telling me about. It sounds like crying in Walmart. What is that? H Mart. H Mart is, is an Asian store? grocery store. Yeah. It's a what? Asian grocery store. Love it. Awesome. Yeah. It is. It's it's one of those books that's been on like the top twenty on Amazon forever. That's great. And I'm and it I I'm the first three pages I was like oh I see why there's a hundred thousand reviews on this oh. book on Goodreads oh. like this is so powerful so anyway uh, y'all gotta go read it it's about oh a gal who. Um, I would say is around our age, maybe a little younger than us, and she lost her mom really young, and mm. she's um, mixed. She's half Korean, half white, and she realized she feels like she's losing her culture because she lost her mom. Mm. And so it's just a really beautiful. I actually got it because the cover was so pretty, <laughs> mm. and just the title was so was so eye catching. And I love H Mart. I go to the Asian grocery store often, so uh, it happens to be like four minutes from my house. So it was a, it's just a beautiful book. I highly recommend it. Anyway, all that to say, I did get a lot of reading done because I gave in to the shows. That's awesome. I think when you have, um, yeah, your kids are old enough to do that, right? Because like, I, I still can't read on airplanes, like just forget yeah. it. Um, but yeah, airplanes, are, it's the travel's been so hard. Like Cody's parents mm-hmm. came out to visit us and they ended up having to fly like from California to Albuquerque, then drive to their house. And then when we were <gasps> just in Texas recently to visit them, we got stuck in the Dallas airport for like five hours. No, and no, they yeah, answered, three no. kids under six. I mean, thank God Dallas is a decent sized airport, but because of COVID, everything was closed. Like the Chick-fil-A <gasps> wasn't open. Their playroom no. wasn't open. Like, oh, you know, Ashley. so there's literally nothing. So yeah, luckily the boys have Kindle fires that that's our saving grace when we go on trips and it's a big walking airport. So we could yep. like, you oh, know, yeah. do laps from time to time and, you know, go grab some M&Ms, go make them run a little, you know, so you like mm-hmm. figure it out. But yeah. Do your kids I'd like definitely... those walking walkway, the, the, like the you know walkways? They're, they're here, neither here or there about it. I feel like, oh. um, yeah, Kingston my kids did about just 12 don't... or 13 laps on this. Oh, right. I, I was surprised. You know, my kids really dig escalators, which we have a stroller, so they never actually get to do it. But they were oh. not that impressed with the wa- with the walkways. Like, I feel like oh. I don't know what it is about those that they are just like, what ifs? I guess because when we're on them, it still feels like we're walking a normal pace. So they're like, this is just walking. Like, they can't figure oh. it out. Maybe they're not tall enough. Like, I don't know what oh. it is. <laughs> I was the mom that let Kingston just, like, pretend he was a ninja. Yeah. Let him walk backwards. And so he yes. was running. 
Oh my backward, gosh, I you know, done trying the same to, thing. I was like, I don't even care. I am that mother yeah. right now. Do whatever you want. Everybody and yes, we hit up the M&Ms. Right now. Oh my gosh. Right. This is right. like a regular day at Target. All the parents are like, what? <laughs> There's this new article out in the Atlantic. I haven't had a chance to read it because it just came out yesterday, but it's called The Parents Are Not Okay. And I was like, this is so Oh yeah, so you're going to need to send me that. You're going to need yeah, to send me that. They've, I feel like over the course of the last year and a half, there's been so many articles written for different people groups about everybody yeah. not being okay. But the few, mm-hmm. the few that I've read that are parent related are so spot on. So I'm really oh. looking forward to reading that one. But it's true. Like you look around and you see people's kids and at least everybody stopped judging now. Like no one judges homeschoolers anymore. We're like, no. that's the hardest life ever. Like, why would I want to do that? And then <laughs> nobody's ever really- we honor you if really... that's your choice. We honor you if that's your choice. Of we love course. You. Yep. <laughs> Plenty of my friends do that. Like most totally. of my friends, frankly, are homeschoolers. And then, um, or they have their kids in private school or something. But yeah, I just feel like nobody's as judgmental as we used to be, which I, I like think that. is a really good like lead in for today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I do think that we're living in this world where- Um, It is possible. I think about Isaiah that talks about like, you know, um, things being made low and other things being lifted up. And it feels like even the tumultuous times that we are living in, even though there are difficult days and hard things that we're facing and, you know, the stinking word unprecedented things that we're having to deal with, that's really true. It is this time of leveling because the inequities are so apparent and the difficulties have come to light and people are talking about things that they maybe didn't talk about five or six years ago, or they sensed that perhaps they were the only one. And now we have a bit more solidarity in our growth experiences and a bit more solidarity in our difficulties. And I think that is leading us to this place to think about what is a sustainable life. I've loved reading all these articles recently that people are writing about, um, people hating their jobs and realizing Mm. how much they hate their jobs and realizing why, you know, and of course we have a shortage of workers here in America in, Mm -hmm. especially in lower paid position jobs. And part of that is because we lost almost 700,000 people. Um, Many of them would be working in particular jobs that are paying less salary because they never really got to be in their homes or be safer from the vaccine. Yeah. And of course, that's not true for everybody, but that is the majority. And so because of that, people are realizing like, gosh, look what I'm giving up. Like, look at the quality of life I do or don't have. And people are moving to different states and they're moving to different cities. And I just think folks are really looking for this different kind of sustainable life. Yes. And so I've been fascinated by all of this. And the chapter that we want to talk to you guys about today is called For Lack of Justice, There is Waste. And I really love this chapter in the book. Truth be told, it's one of my favorites. Ooh, <laughs> it's behind the, the scenes, behind Yeah, it's, um, I know this one hasn't landed on everybody the same way. And that's completely okay. But for me, it was it was one of those aha moments that Oprah talks about where you're just like sitting there and all of a sudden dots just start connecting. And, you know, the neurons in your brain begin to fire. And it just like you can sort of see things. I don't know, I'm a little bit visual in my brain when I have a spiritual revelation. So I can see like, this connects to this and this connects to this and this connects to this and this is how it all works together. And this was that moment for me in this chapter. And I remember watching a documentary, I think I've talked about it here on Why Though, if you go back a bit with us, called The Biggest Little Farm. And it's this couple, John and Molly Chester. They were living in Santa Monica, California. And um, Molly was working as a private chef, and John was working as a cameraman and a filmmaker, and they adopt this little dog. The dog won't stop barking, like all day long. He just barks and barks and barks and barks, to the point where the landlord and the neighbors were so upset that they evicted the couple and the dog. (laughs) (laughs) And so then they decided to pursue this dream that they had of owning farmland and 
know, kind of all of us right now, I think are asking those questions like, is this the life that I really want to live? Right, like, do I need right. to make more space for my dog? Do I need to make more yeah. space for my mind? Do I need to make more space yeah. for my family? You know, totally. do I need to make more space for my, my margin and resources and rest? Like, I think everybody's kind of asking these questions. And so for yeah. them, they ended up purchasing this farm that was basically near dead because it was a monocropping farm. So just very briefly, like monocropping is just basically when a farm decides to take one crop and grow it, let a very efficient, high production, high yield kind of way. And we're finding that these farms all across America are dying. You know, we're a little bit over the 100 year mark or for some of them just under the 100 year mark of monocropping in America. And these farms are dying off because the land is no longer um, able to be revitalized. The land is no longer able to grow and farms are suffering. And so they bought this farm and then wanted to begin polycropping. And so what they did is they resurrected this farm back to life by adding in over 700 plants and flowers and bringing in like all these animals and different um, pests. And so instead of using pesticides, they brought in all the natural elements, allowed everything to live, even the prey, even things like coyotes and wolves that were there they they worked very hard not to kill anything um, so they really wanted to see the cycle of life operating on this farm and so you know it was great to see them like process death and process life like it was a really oh, beautiful girl. film and i girl. i really loved it and you know there is something to be said here and i talk about, a lot about white supremacy in this chapter and what it looks like and i'll tell you the parallels that i saw in a minute so i do just want to give room that this is like a white upper class family who decides to go purchase this farm they get a business plan it gets fully funded like you know, they, they clearly have a lot of resources and capacity to make things happen. And so I talk about some of those dynamics in this chapter as well. So I want to make room for that if you're listening and you're like, well, good for them. They went and bought this great farm and now they live this great life. Like, I totally see you. <laughs> Can I also pause right there? Yeah. You are so good about that throughout the book. You are yeah. not trying to just share justice and equality and connection from the dominant culture you're no. constantly aware of who you are as a white woman operating in the world but also inviting everyone to see like i know that this is not everybody's existence and i can call out the privilege there without it being some sort of bullying move and i think that, right. that is i just have to stop and praise because that's one of the things that i've always loved about you is your awareness of what it takes for everyone to be seen and known in the story. Carry on. Yeah, I appreciate that. And that's what this whole chapter is about. You know, is um, I'll get to the proverb in a second, but basically recognizing that we all can't control the soil that we're born into. Come on, girl. So we can't Come hate on. each other if our parents have gener- generational wealth or if we grow up in poverty or we grow up in middle class or lower middle class or upper middle class. Like, you know, there, there are things to be despised about the operating world we live in, 100%. But there is a way to just talk about these things as reality because that is is actually what they are. Um, but as I was re- as I was watching this documentary, I really began to think about the church and began to think about the parallels between monocropping in the church and, and really this monolithic narrative that's been operating in the church. So this agricultural world directly compared to the monolithic church experience and who has held the narrative and who has done the publishing and who has led the churches and who is leading the magazines that determines, you know, who gets press and who holds the story and who gets to 
to share and who gets to do all these things. And I thought to myself, gosh, I wonder if there's this deep, rich connection to the reason that in some ways the evangelical church at large is dying (laughs) in the same way that agriculture in the monocropping lane is also dying because we have got to, and I believe that we are returning to this place of polyculture, this place of diversity. And of course we have this one God that I believe in. I don't even know how some of us are still Christians now, but I love the Lord and I love Jesus and Mm. I fully, I'm Mm. just convinced that he's the way. And so I think because of that, it's just so important to realize like part of the reason some of these things are dying and some of these scandals are being exposed and so many people are feeling freedom to speak up about their experiences in in evangelical churches, I think is because God wants to return us to this place of flourishing. And in order for us to flourish, diversity must be present. Like there is no way around that. And of course, some of you are listening from churches where, you know, your neighborhood and your city is not very diverse. And I'm not talking about you trying to go out and find a way to, you know, diversify your church, but think further than race, because that's often where we go. Think about class, you know, think about are there people present in your community who feel safe at a different economic level? Are there people in your community who are different ages? Are there people in your community who are in different stages of life? Students, you know, college students, are there moms, single parents? Are there, you know, dads? Are there, you know, single people? And are there widows? Like, does it run the game? So when I'm talking about diversity, I'm not just talking about diversity of race, but in general, this table that God sets for us that is actually supposed to be rich and diverse. And that is the thing that revitalizes it. That is the thing that brings it back to life. That is the thing that cultivates human flourishing. And so I just loved this picture of how it can be in creation of God to be able to show us how it can be in our communities. And that I think is really important. One of the things that I love that you pointed out, and I I just want to continue this parallel, is the coyotes, the wolves. Those things are still part of the ecosystem. Yes. But there's still room for equality. All those plants, all those flowers, everything coexisting can still stand on its own when it's tended well. And I think when, just as you said, in, in the church now, like, there is so much room for this cleansing and mm-hmm. this renewal. And guess what? The wolves and the foxes and yes. everything looking to yes. corrupt it is still there. We're not we're not saying that there's this utopian way of doing things. We're saying that there is a vision. Come on, I feel like Prophetess Ashley came out today because she's <laughs> she gave us vision for what could be. And I think so many of us were like, Oh, all we see is what's wrong. All right. we see is what's wrong. Yep. And you're like, Okay, yes. But guess what? The king is still on the throne. Yes. And there is vision moving forward. I I saw the other day, like, and perhaps you saw this too. I'm not even, I don't remember who posted it, but you might, you, you, I saw this on your Instagram stories, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It said, if you only were on social media listening to the, you know, the church or whoever, Mm -hmm. you might think that there's nothing good in the world yep, and that everything's wrong and that nobody's making gains. And the reality is in the unseen and in the ordinary, we can push in each moment to diversify and bring everyone to the kingdom, everyone to the table, everyone gets a place in the garden to flourish. Yes. It's beautiful. I talk about this because, you know, Um, In the same chapter, Tiffany, I love that you brought that up because, you know, God commands us and invites us in that command to practice the spiritual discipline of enemy love. And I think it is something that we've really gotten away with. We don't want anybody in our churches who feels like a threat to us. And unfortunately, we serve a Jesus 
who had Judas at his table and Peter, who was about to deny him three times. And this is who was present at his table. And he still got down and he served him and he still sat and ate with him. He still told them his plans (laughs) and the way it was going to go down, the way they could love each other. Yes, exactly. And I think that we have, we have gotten away from that. I'm, I'm listening like so many of you. I originally wasn't going to listen to it and made the decision to, but the Mark Driscoll series, um, (laughs) You know, and it's it's what it is. I mean, I think don't listen to it if you've got a lot of trauma in your background around Definitely spiritual don't. abuse. I just would highly recommend if I if I had experienced this line of spiritual abuse, I would be a hot mess. But yesterday they released a um, you know, just a bonus episode with Joshua Harris, who wrote that book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Oh, and yeah. I don't want to get off into all this, but one of the things that he talked about, the guy who hosted, I believe his name's Mike, Mike Cosper. Mike Cosper, yeah. Yeah. And so he he said What's interesting to him about the ex-evangelical movement is that it's really just a break off of the evangelical movement. And they are still saying who's in and who's out and dictating who can be a part of it and dictating, you know, who's better and who's least and who belongs and who doesn't belong. And he's like, isn't that the same thing the church is already doing? And it was just such a powerful thought to hang in the air. And I actually (laughs) agree, you know, Um, and I would Mm -hmm. be someone who's deconstructed my faith several times, you know, um, but I think that that's really, really true. We just kind of set up the thing that we've already known. Um, and they talked about the desire within Christians to avoid the deep internal introspective like work, you know, they didn't use the word recovery, but kind of this recovery work where you deal with yourself and you acknowledge the things that you're against and you acknowledge the things that you hate and the things that you're biased against and the things that are hard for you. Um, instead of doing that, we just sort of make everybody else the bad guy. And hear me, because that's not to, you know, shame anybody who's gone through stuff who needs to use your voice. We encourage that. I encourage you to use your voice. I encourage you to tell your story. And at the same time, we need to be careful not to just jump on something because we have a vendetta or because we, you know, don't know what else to do or because we are avoiding the hard, difficult soul work that it takes to heal. And that's why I love this chapter, because for lack of justice, there is waste. And there's this proverb that says that much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. And for lack of justice, there is waste. Proverbs 13, 23. And so when you think about that, like think about the farm that I talked about earlier, it died. It literally died. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. So you think about what happened to a ground that died because of overuse, because of overproduction, because of pesticides, because of, you know, capitalism and people wanting, you know, higher yield at lower cost and, you know, all the things that happened from the industrial uh, industrial revolution, what it did to the mm-hmm. soil, what it's done to water runoff, what it's done to our communities and neighborhoods. And actually these type of farming actually affect local business because it has to move out of small rural towns because it gets deeply impacted. Grocery stores change the way we do, you you know, our, our chains from from the farm to the store, all of it changes and is actually in a bad place. The way we treat workers, the way we expect people to perform, you know, it's it starts to look a whole lot like Pharaoh in the Old Testament and yes, the way he demanded does. those bricks yes. and straw. And he kept taking away the resources that they needed and, and demanded more. And you know what? A lot of church leaders have done the same thing. They continue to take away resources from people and demand that they perform more or they add more burdens onto them or have them lead higher teams and do all these things without, without without ever, ever, ever actually, you know, lifting a burden off or And so much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. So in the revitalization, in the going into the ground and tilling it again and inviting new things, that is actually what released it. But when we don't do that for lack of justice, there is waste. 
And I think about, you know, in America, we have 145 million people, that's a third of the country who live at or below the poverty line. And I would like to see if that number has greatly increased in the next couple of years, like the studies that they'll probably do. I wonder if it's higher. And then I think about, you know, just the way that people have to live, you know, um, when you are raised in a certain soil, or you are raised in environments that are neglectful or abusive or, you know, um, difficult, what does that do to you? And it, it, it hinders our capacity to move forward in the world. It hinders our capacity to flourish in our purpose and in our life. And it's so important that we think about as people of God, what would it look like for me in my life to cultivate the fallow ground? What would it look like for me to look around and see what is the fallow ground? Not judge it, not be harsh with it, not try to, you know, make somebody else like us, but what would it look like for us to really begin to reckon with the fact that we have a lot of fallow ground here in the souls of people in the literal earth (laughs) that needs to be cultivated that needs to be flourished otherwise for lack of justice there is waste and we have so much work to do here wouldn't you say that i think one of the biggest issues is people not identifying the soil they've been brought up in because they it's the water they swim in it's the soil they've been planted in it's so hard to see outside of that and so i love that you're taking us back to this understand first of all the soil you're in understand what's missing what's cultivating it, what it needs, and where it could be going. It's just such an invitation, like you said, to personal examination that we so avoid. We so avoid it because it's such an Mm -hmm. excavation of the heart and soul, but so necessary to see human flourishing and community renewal. Mm -hmm. It's so, so important that we do that. And I do, that's why I spent the first chapter, like as, you know, as an invitation to see how we learned love so that we can unlearn fear because I do want us to better understand what we were brought up in because I think the more that you understand yourself the more you can understand others the easier it becomes to extend you know um, grace and compassion and a a safe spot for people to land like the more comfortable you are with your own brokenness the more comfortable you are with others and you don't feel the need to fix or judge or you know save or do all the things you can just actually be present with others in the same way God is present with you and the same way that God is present with other people. And I do think, um, you know, in our church experiences, many of us learned how to evangelize and how to save and how to, you know, blah, 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 do all the things. Mm -hmm. And we just never learned to be, and we never learned to be with. And we also live in a culture. (laughs) It is. Oh, girl, it's such a word. And we live, it is. And we live in this culture that also doesn't teach us being, it doesn't teach us presence, and nor does it value those things. And so you are taught that the more you produce, the more valuable you will Mm -hmm. be, the more that you do the more important you will be, the more that you, you know, gain relational capital with others and, you know, do all these things, then the more um, significant you'll become to people, Um, the the less disposable you might be to others, the less likely to be rejected or abandoned that you might feel to others. And so we learn from a very young age from the world, sometimes from our family of origin, sometimes from the schools we come up up in, and sometimes from our faith experiences that, you know, to be is not enough. Correct. And women feel this pressure beyond what anybody else and then women of color feel the pressure even more so and so i think it's really important for us what what would it look like to return to being what does it look like to revitalize the soil that we are living in what does it look like to say no to hurry what does it look like to go who's missing from this table why aren't they here you know what in our environment is discouraging participation or connection and then to go after that hard and it won't look like success 
It doesn't have metrics that you can see. It won't be valued as much as maybe, you know, some type of number or some type of blah, blah, blah. But truth be told, like, this is our walk with God. Like, we are to be with him, to abide in him. Like, that's what he tells us to do, to abide. And then he says, nothing will be impossible for you. Mm. (laughs) It doesn't Mm. say nothing will be impossible for you. It says to abide. And so often we are so confused. We think we are the vine and Jesus is a branch. And it's like, no, you know what? He is the vine and I am a branch. And God, forgive me where I have gotten this order wrong. And forgive me, Lord, where I've you know, tried to be the vine to other people or tried to be the vine to an organization or tried to be the vine to a community. Like, I'm not that, Lord. You hold it all together. That is not my job. My job is to be and to be with. And I think if we can grow in that, we would change our world and our communities. I think it's it's a it's a dangerous thing when we not only internalize this doing and this pecking order and dare I say just as you said the way of Pharaoh, and then we go and command others to live that way as well as if it is the way of the kingdom, that they mm-hmm. must do 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 and unless they meet these benchmarks they are unlovable and they mm-hmm. are we un- we don't approve, and so to turn that on its head. And to live that kingdom way, I think, is not only going to change our lives. And and just as you said, we are not the source. We are not the source of all good things. Right. We cannot do this. Then we will. Yes. Well, really, we will enter into this life that we were always designed to live and invite others to a new way, a better way, a third way. Yes. Oh, Ashley, yes. this book, it's changed me. And y'all, I know if I know some of you who are listening, you are on the launch team and I know it's changing you. You lucky few who got to read it before it hits stores next week. But my goodness, y'all go get this book. It is. And you know what? Amazon's crazy. It might be shipping early. You never know if you hop on that train, y'all. You might be an early adapter. <laughs> there we go. Um, Ashley, can you give us a little more information? Because I know you have a video series coming along with this. Can you paint that picture a little bit? Yes, I sure will. It's going to launch next week on release day. I have a little seven-day window where you guys could could um, get access to this video series. And I created one for individuals in case you're maybe not connected to a community, not ready to be with people. You just don't want to, but you would enjoy a video series. All the videos are 18 to 22 minutes each. There's eight of them, and they go through the book with a little bit of extra material. There's a workbook for you to work through. If you want to do a little bit more thoughtful reflection and connection, you can print that, or you can. it's editable. So you can actually, you know, type right there on your computer. You could print it out, whatever feels good for you. And for those who maybe would like to lead a group, um, you know, there's eight videos that you could take a group through. You could do that online. Or you can do it in real life. We created the links so that they could populate on your TV, on YouTube, or you could do it right there on your computer. And if you're part of the book club kit, I'm doing like a special, you know, once a month um, me- meeting with everyone who decides to lead a book club because I just want to be with you guys as you're processing hard things with others and you just have a place in your heart to serve or hope people I would like to help you and journey with you in the fall as you do that and that one also comes with a whole bunch of goodies that are really helpful a hospitality guide a a group discussion guide that would just help you foster rich connection and a capacity to care for people who are in your midst and honestly just be together I know some of us don't maybe don't have a church right now or you might be looking for something like that right now and maybe you just have a hunger for some spiritual community I think that this would be a really great opportunity so I'll put a an early link for a our podcast what? listeners. Oh, what? I'll go ahead and put an early oh, link for you oh, in the show notes. I'm not releasing it publicly until next Tuesday, but for you guys, I would love to to put a link in the show notes for you and see if I can also get a little discount for you if you'd like to do that. So it's my joy to, to serve you guys. We love this community. You're amazing. Mm, and I can't wait for this book to be out in the world. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I want to say one more thing. 
So many of us have quit a lot of stuff in the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. And as you think about what you want to add back on your plate, you cleaned out the pantry, you're only putting things back in that you actually want to have and and embrace in your life and something that will nourish you. And I encourage you to consider this. I think of everything that so many of us have quit. This is the perfect, Ashley, this is the perfect thing to add back in the pantry, to add back on your plate, to add back in your life. So just wanted to add that in. We love y'all and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.